It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 411 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, broadcasting live from the West Coast, Hamilton, Ontario. I am, of course, of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Uh, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team focus shows for all 30 NBA teams. We got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and it's a great resource for you to find all of the local angles and all the biggest stories going on around the league right now. You want to hear about the Denver Nuggets kicking everyone's ass, and you want to hear about Jamal Murray. Listen to Adam Marez on Locked On Nuggets. You can listen to Locked On NBA for a more sort of broad perspective. Ben Golver was on yesterday's episode. It's just so much going on in the network right now so find a show that you like whether it's football basketball college and make you are make sure you're subscribing and rating and reviewing the shows on itunes that you like it's very nice for the host it's nice for me when you do it for our show and i very much appreciate you taking the time all right on today's show we are doing a uh, breakdown of the raptors win over the utah jazz 124 111 in utah second night of the back-to-back among the scheduliest losses I could possibly think of, yet, lo and behold, the Raptors win and move to 10-1. and And joining me to talk about the game from uh, the, the far east coast in Toronto is Vivek Jacob. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I guess Toronto, according to that graphic, is just centrally located in this context. So Oshawa is the east coast. It's amazing that well, I can know. I'm, I'm sure Rachel Nichols has a full explanation for those looking for it. <laughs> so... Um, I still don't know what that was about. <laughs> I just, if people don't I, know, all, all I have is the image, so I have no idea what she was talking about. Yeah, um, they took the video but, down, hey. I think, so that like I could I couldn't even find out exactly what the hell is going on. Um, but, that is the power of Y and Kyle and ten and one and looking like the best team in the East according to LeBron James. So yeah. Um, 
I, I just can't get over it. It was so funny to see that come up yesterday. It's not like it matters, really. Like, who cares about southwestern Ontario geography, really? But um, just why they were shouting out people from Oshawa and Hamilton, um, it seems like it was just a shout-out to me, really, as someone from Oshawa who lives in Hamilton now. Um, They're listening to the pod, man. They must be listening to the podcast. That must be exactly it. Just the way that they've situated Oshawa on the map, I feel like somebody at ESPN thought Oshawa is the capital of Canada and not Ottawa, and I think that's where the mistake originated. That's my theory, at least. Because <laughs> why would Oshawa pop into someone's head for any other reason other than that it kind of rhymes with Ottawa? I don't know. Either way, it's great stuff. Thanks for the laughs. I'm sure Rachel Nichols had absolutely nothing to do with it in Rachel Nichols' rules, so I'm not mad at her or anything. I just, it's just funny. It's, it's good times. The internet's fun. Um, yep. Also fun is when the Raptors kicked the piss out of the, of the Utah Jazz in a game that I was fully expecting them to lose. Even without Donovan Mitchell for Utah, there was no Kawhi for the Raptors. He was a scratch late uh, just before game time, still dealing with that sore foot. I'm not surprised that they, that they didn't play him, considering how cautious they've been with him. Uh, I guess start the way that we usually start these game recap uh, podcasts here, Vivek. What's your biggest takeaway from the Raptors moving to 10-1 and with that win that they probably should not have had any business picking up last night? My biggest takeaway is that the Raptors almost had a 50-40 night on the second night of a back-to-back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, it, to, to me, that's just ridiculous. I mean, they shot 39.4% from three, so they're right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's funny because you look at the start of the game, right at the beginning, it looked like uh, they might have had some sea legs and things were... Uh, taking a bit to come along uh, the offense was looking a little sluggish um, you know I think some of that is obviously going to be you know when you're changing from Jonas to Surge and just getting back into that flow again mm-hmm. um, at the starting center spot but uh, yeah once they sort of got into their rhythm uh, again we're seeing this team that doesn't really get phased by anything anymore mm-hmm. um i thought it was really big that obviously kyle was going at it a bit but you could even you know there, there were some calls that danny green was upset about but still it they didn't let the huge sort of disparity at the free throw line affect them mm-hmm. um just kept plugging away and once they got a hold of the offense um utah didn't really have much obviously utah ha- haven't looked like what people projected them to be going into the season um donovan mitchell getting off to a slow start and now being injured doesn't help at all i don't know how long they can keep going with this rudy gobert Derek favors front court Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's a problem for them uh the raptors uh nothing you know it's hard to beat this team right now yeah they're (laughs) extremely good at basketball uh even without Kawhi. the thing that i took away from last night's game is just how Maybe like the unlike the Lakers game where the Lakers game, you know, the Lakers are fast. They have a good offense. Like they could sort of go off for a run if they really, really wanted to. I never felt at any point during that game after the Raptors took a big lead that there was any chance the Jazz were coming back in that game. Like as soon as the third quarter started and the Raptors went on that mini run to I think extend it to like 17 or or 18 or something like that, I was just like, yeah, this is done because the Jazz don't have the juice to deal with the Raptors' defense and overcome it to the degree that they would have to to make a comeback. And, like, the that is a good testament to what the Raptors are doing, man. Like, they... 
Yeah, they looked ragged early on. I think they had like seven turnovers in the first like five minutes or something crazy like that. It seemed like every time they went down the court, they were just throwing like a weird errant pass. I think the point you made about them kind of readjusting to Jonas holds a lot of water because it seemed like even Kyle, you know, normally those pocket passes have been just completely on point this season. And there were a couple yesterday that they were just like a little ill-advised, a little maybe sort of timed in sort of the sequence with how somebody else like Serge Ibaka would maybe receive them. And mm-hmm. it sort of, you know, it, it was a ragged start early on. But, you know, Kyle started to hit some shots. And I think for me, Pascal Siakam, like, holy God, he has been insane this past week. And for me, it, like, it kind of turned around when he started doing the thing that he's been doing lately where he's just, like, hunting matchups and being able to just sort of brutalize guys. And I think the, the first example of it last night, I can't remember who he was on. It might have been Joe Ingles, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or, or someone smaller than him. I know for the most part it was Jay Crowder, you know, where he just kind of right. you know, zeroed in on Jay Crowder and was like, all right, this dude ain't stopping me. And Crowder yeah. had a rough night. And, you know, Siakam, like, just the the money that that is him when he's driving and putting up those little push shots. Like, I don't think I've seen him miss yeah. one of those all season long. It's I know there's, like, concerns about his shooting and stuff, but... He's been able to do all of this while his shooting has been kind of what we expected it, or, or it's kind of carried over from last year, right? Like, he's not hitting threes right now, and they're not even particularly close. He hit one mid-range jumper last night. Everything else he's doing just within the flow of, you know, him driving and kind of working out of that, whether he's throwing an assist out of that or just scoring over somebody who can't guard him because he's focusing on a mismatch. Like, is there, like, are you worried with Siakam that, like, eventually teams are going to sort of hone in on what he's doing or is it something that's just like so unguardable that it doesn't even matter and like this is just sort of the baseline of what you can expect for him right now so with Siakam I think you know teams will start to recognize that uh, you know he's going to that spin move and being really effective with whether it's going to his right from either you know from either side of the post he seems to be really effective at it um, and in terms of his productivity from there I think um like his Cameroonian brother, uh, he's learned to trust the process. You know, mm-hmm. last season we saw him put up three after three after three and miss after miss after miss. Um, but he was never phased by it. Uh, you know, he kept talking about, no, this is how the team wants to play. This is what they want me to do. I'm going to keep doing it. He didn't get discouraged. Uh, and the same thing with his other moves. You know, you'd still see him try them uh, from time to time and keep going to them. And now I think with that spin move, you're seeing the results where, uh, well, the fruits of his labor. And the one thing that I think is big about post move is just how herky-jerky he can be at his size Mm -hmm. uh, and maintain that sort of low center of gravity, which I think is a huge challenge for uh, the guys he's going up against. So I think there is an element where it is almost unguardable um, and you kind of have to hope that he misses and maybe there will be a bit of regression because he's shooting at such a high percentage right now um but yeah you got to ride this as long as it can and then um because because of his work ethic even if he gets into a bit of a funk you expect him to figure out a way or uh continue to develop more moves and like everyone likes to talk about now make that push Mm -hmm. uh, eventually to becoming an all-star yeah, um, he has been just so fun the last week or so as he's kind of, I think, really gotten comfortable with the role that he has in the starting five. And yes, Kawhi's only been there for a couple of those games, but it still hasn't mattered. And he's been really effective whether Kawhi's in there or not. 
And he does really kind of give you the the sort of the illusion of playing small because he can handle the ball and because he is like six foot nine and, and pretty big and can kind of guard anybody while also being a big. Like that that's kind of the dream at this point. I, I think like the optimum team in the NBA right now, obviously it's not possible because there just aren't enough of these guys, but a bunch of six foot nine to seven foot dudes who can handle the ball, that's the dream. And like not every team is ever going to have that, but to have a guy like Siakam who you can put at the four and like you can you can play small with him being big, it's just such an advantage. And like more and more it just really feels like the 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 Draymond Green comparisons as like lofty as those are and as unlikely as it is that Siakam reaches those heights they 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 make a lot of sense it's the playmaking four that Zach Lowe wrote about like I don't know four or five years ago and how that's going to become the most valuable player in the league or or the like most valuable type of player in the league like it's it's very much manifesting itself in Pascal Siakam right now it's uh it's super duper exciting uh, we're going to continue talking about Siakam and Serge Ibaka and all these other guys in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that, of course, is my bookie. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what to team to bet on this week. And truth is, I don't know anything. I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, and you think you're smarter than I am, which isn't hard, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use and you can lay down some cash and win big today i would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me and that's why i'm urging you to make your way to my bookie you win they pay they have in-game live betting the most rewarding player perks in the business and for fantasy players out there you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player is going to score in a given game Join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. That's an incredible offer. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get that offer activated on the MyBookie app or online. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid with MyBookie. This is Jake from LOCKEDON. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right. Uh, There have been some crazy-ass stats going around today based on the numbers the Raptors are putting up right now. The thing that my favorite thing so far that I tweeted out this morning is that, like, the six top players on the Raptors, you know, the five standard starters plus... Uh, Valanchunas or Abaka, whoever you throw in as the sixth guy, they're all shooting above 60% true shooting, and most of them are in like the mid 60s. <laughs> it's just like a majority of the rotation is like shooting the goddamn lights out right now, and it's really, really fun, and it's leading to an incredible offense where everyone's kind of getting theirs despite there being so many mouths to feed. 
Uh, so that's like my favorite stat right now. Do you have a particular favorite stat that you've seen kind of floating out about there about the Raptors right now through eleven games? Um. Yeah, there was one that Blake uh, Murphy. Uh, Who's that? I, I feel like. <laughs> well, I mean, every, everyone knows what we're talking about when we say Blake. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he still needs that last name anymore. Um, <laughs> he's like a Brazilian Blake. soccer player. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh, he had a stat where Siakam has a so to your point about the true shooting percentage his true shooting percentage is 63% with a 17% uh, three point rate and 20% free throw rate which which, yeah is insane Um, because obviously true shooting percentage accounts for all three of them Uh, and so for him to be that high you'd imagine uh, at the very least, he's got to improve that free throw uh, shooting. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's a reason me, Kyle Lowry and Danny Greens are so right high, and that's because they shoot a lot of threes. And Siakam does not do that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> bloody impressive. So, so yeah, that's the one that sticks out to me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a ton of funky ones that you can find. There's also the one about – there's a couple about Siakam. First of all, he's number one in the league in points off drives, which is crazy. Like, not just number one among forwards, number one among all players, which that might regress at some point because there are some very good drivers in the NBA. Um, but all of these stats are kind of a, a, a sort of encouraging thing for me when I'm looking at whether or not Pascal is going to regress because, like, yes, these the, like the, the high shooting is coming on twos, but these are twos that he's always made, right? Like last season, he was in the mid-60s in terms of his field goal percentage within, you know, three and ten feet. Like he's always been good in that range. So I don't see why it would really tail off. And I, I wonder if as defenses change their shape and stop giving him all the space that he's had to sort of do those swooping drives into post-ups out of the corner, I wonder if that's just going to open up his dribble drive game even more where he can just blow by guys and sort of create things, maybe open up a lot more in the way of sort of driving kick opportunities than he's had before. I, like he's got enough of a first step. Maybe it'll challenge his handle a little bit, which has been sort of wonky this season. So we'll see how that kind of develops and if he can tighten that up. But um, it's just it's nice that he feels so empowered within this offense, I think, is the most important thing. And I just I don't see... The, the, I don't see that much of a tail off coming off because his shots that he's making are ones that he's made before and they're by and large pretty easy shots um, not so easy is Serge Ibaka hitting literally every shot for like four games or whatever it's been uh, he was 8 of 8 last night he was 15 of 17 the night before and he hit his last four shots in the previous game for uh, a field goal percentage that is extremely close to 100% um, only 14 minutes last night because of foul trouble for him but like the production's still been there we've talked about Ibaka and why it seems like he's playing so much better this season pretty incessantly on this podcast so far because it's been such a source of wonder but I haven't talked about this yet and I think Faisal Kamisa tweeted about this last night I tweeted about it a couple nights ago as well Serge Ibaka through 11 games he's like a definite all-star right Right now, yeah. Yeah, um, like it's um, ridiculous. You, you'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, if the Raptors keep winning at the rate that they are, then they would absolutely deserve to have uh, three all-stars. And you figure um, it's got to be Lowry, Kawhi, and Serge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at, you know, I wrote about this after 
the Lakers game and just looking at Ibaka, the numbers that he's putting up right now, um, so his usage is about 5% higher than it was last season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty much doubled his attempt rate at the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 43% of his shots are coming at the rim, which is actually right in line with his two best seasons in Oklahoma City. Um, that's the Ibaka that everyone sort of came to watch and love. Uh, you know, the scoring inside that com- complemented Westbrook and Durant, the rim protection, uh, the occasional ability to switch out uh, if he needs to, mm-hmm. right? You With a guy like him, with his instincts around the rim, you want to keep him around the bucket as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a bit of a reputation factor, and I think we're seeing that uh, return slowly. I think... I think at the start of the season, people sort of looked at the Ibaka that played uh, last season and thought, oh, yeah, I can just get to the rim. But now, because of all the rejections that he's been dishing out, uh, I think you're starting to see teams be a bit more wary of him in the paint. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that's crazy now, he's also shooting... What's he shooting? Um, 76% around the basket, uh, <laughs> according to cleaning the class. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's a stupid number. That has to come down. Um, but, yeah, what's he at? 18 and 7 on the season, throwing in the blocks, throwing in all this high percentage shooting. Um, and through all of this, I think one of the things that goes unnoticed is how good of a teammate he is. Yeah. Um, you know, there was uh, there were times I, I I remember Delon Wright's shoulder injury uh, w- when he was sort of walking off the court. Serge was the first guy to run over to him mm-hmm. when Van Vliet was struggling at the beginning of the season. When he came out of it, Van Vliet was uh, said, you know, uh, Serge has actually been one of the guys that has been talking to me, you know, telling me to keep my head up and this and that. Um, there are multiple guys who have referred to Serge as being this guy that they can confide in and who just is constantly boosting them up. Um, and I think that really goes unnoticed. And if he can be the third banana for the Raptors the way he was the third banana in Oklahoma City, that I mean, that will take the Raptors to the ceiling that they want, a legitimate championship contender, which is what we've seen through 11 games. Yeah, he's been just phenomenal, man. And, I, like, it's... The teammate aspect is something that, like, from reading, like, his body language and stuff last season, you could kind of maybe infer that maybe he wasn't the best dude to be around. But I don't know what's happened, whether it's just the coaching change or the position change or the fact that he spent the summer rowing on the Congo River (laughs) shirtless with a bandana on like a goddamn boss. Like, I don't know what it is. You know, maybe it's the cooking show confidence adding more Sprite into his step. It's just he seems so much more engaged the energy like I wrote about this on the very first night of the season when he didn't have a great game he shot like terribly but he had a bunch of rebounds and he looked active and excited to be on the court for the first time and I don't remember how long and Mm -hmm. like it's just it's so palpably different with him and he just looks like he wants to be on the court more often he's not searching for ejections anymore like it's he seemed earnestly upset when he was picking up those fouls last night and how could you not be when you're on a streak like he's on it's just, um, yeah. yeah, it's really impressive to me, and it's... And the way he's running the floor, yeah. he is getting out on those fast breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the passing, too, uh, that, this is one thing that I've loved this season, the number of times that he has made the roll, received the ball, spun, and found the guy in the weak side corner. Yeah. Um, that has been such a big development for this team, um, and it's really impressive to see, like, 
good on him. Uh, and you know what? I said this multiple times last season where, you know, people were criticizing him um, for being a black hole uh, on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And it was fair criticism, but you also have to understand that this is a guy who, for pretty much whatever it was, the seven, eight years before that, was playing with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, then came over to the isolation heavyweights with DeRozan. And so this was the f- last year was the first season where he was playing in a democratic type of offense where everyone um, was going to share the ball. And just because, you know, 10 out of the 15 guys were able to adjust perfectly and transition to that, it, it, it didn't mean that he had to be the one uh, that had to be, you know, left behind just because he was struggling with it, right? You, you sort of go through the growing pains last year, and now I think you're reaping the rewards. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that Orlando wasn't a hotbed for ball movement and egalitarianism on offense? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can't be egalitarian if there's nothing to go around for anybody, I suppose. Um, yeah, no, Ibaka's been awesome. I like the, Just the praise that we're heaping on him was so unexpected coming into the year, too, man. Like After what he looked like in the playoffs last year, I had kind of written him off and thought, hey... He's a luxury on this team, and if he does good stuff on some odd nights, that's great. If not, they'll probably get by just fine. And instead, he's kind of changed the whole picture. And uh, good on him for kind of turning it around from what looked like maybe a point of no return in last year's playoffs. Before we finish up the podcast... If they kept him at the four, yeah. I think we would have seen a season similar to last year. Yeah. I, I don't think we can understate just how important it is uh, that he's been transitioned over to the five. Yeah, because it's like a domino effect, right? Like, he's in a position where he's more equipped to succeed. It allows the Raptors to get better players on the court, whether it's Siakam or OG or Kawhi at the four or more Danny Green. So, like, they're just they're maximizing the best players on the court at all times. And it also, like, the space that it's opened up for Kyle to just carve teams apart. And, like, we have barely talked about Kyle on this podcast because, like, good God, what he's just... His amazingness is just so predictable at this point, but the dude has like got double-digit assists like nine straight games. It's absurd, okay. and that is, I think, a direct byproduct of the the increased space and just the like. You give a dude that smart, who is that good of a, pl- a passer, that great at sort of reading a defense and attacking the sore spots, like he's of course going to walk into all these assists. So yeah, it all kind of stems, I think, from that move by Nurse, and I, I talked about this yesterday, like, shouts to Nurse for sticking to it, because it's it's worked incredibly well and had a great effect on the entire team. Um, speaking of me talking yesterday about the Nick Nurse job that he's done with changing up the starters and sticking to it, uh, that, that clip was used on our Locked On Podcast Network social feeds yesterday, and I want to remind you guys to make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network and what we're doing on Twitter and Instagram. It's really great. It, there's lots of lots of condensed nuggets there for you to check out. We're posting, you know, 20 to 30, to, you know, a minute-long clips of each podcast. You know, if there's a big story going on, a team of particular interest, a really fired-up take somebody has. We're taking those clips and we're putting it into tweets and Instagram posts for you to listen to. And then go and check out the entire podcast. It's a great gateway into a lot of the podcasts. And also, if you follow the Locked On NBA Net Twitter feed, it's just retweeting all of the hosts essentially from the network and having it all in one feed. So if you don't want to follow 60 hosts at once, you can also you can just follow this one feed and all of their NBA related tweets are going to be put in there. It's retweeting all of my tweets. Sometimes I have to delete some because there's like swears that I don't want people seeing <laughs> in the locked out NBA net tweet. 
Uh, Locked on NBA Net Twitter is retweeting them out, but uh, it's great. It's a great resource for you during games or when live news is breaking. Locked on NBA Net on Twitter. Also locked on NFL Net if you're an NFL fan as well. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I suppose we should talk about the injury news from last night, which is Norman Powell. Rough go for Norm, man. He just got into the game. He played exactly zero minutes on the box score right here. As soon as he came in, he got crunched by a screen, and it looks like he's going to be out for a while. A subluxation of his shoulder, his left shoulder, which is a shoulder dislocation, essentially, or separation. Not the best. It sucks, because Norm, I thought, was playing reasonably well for what his expectations coming to the season were he wasn't shooting at all he was doing the Lorenzo Brown thing where he was never putting it up but he was doing you know good sound things on the court not getting himself into too much trouble or doing too much and then he goes down with this and there's not been an update today I don't believe on how long he's going to be out or a timeline but you would assume it's going to be a while if you think back to you know DeLon Wright's injuries for example he's missed a lot of time god damn it stupid autoplay ads on ESPN (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but anyway, I, the amount of times I get scared by autoplay ads on this stupid thing is it's, it's too much. But um, but yeah, the, it's going to be a while for Norm, essentially. How do you think this affects the, the rotation? And I don't know, I guess obviously it doesn't feel good to have this injury. But, you know, how are you feeling about how the Raptors can maybe recover from it? Because it's not like Norm is a huge part of the rotation right now, but it will mean more minutes for CJ Miles or potentially Malachi Richardson or Lorenzo Brown. How are you feeling about that? Um, yeah, I, I actually feel fine because, you know, we, we've only just had uh, Fred and Dolan back together uh, after each of them sort of spent time out. Um, I think you'll probably uh, see CJ get a bit more time and maybe that consistency in minutes will help him get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anything, you're just going to see Kawhi pack in the rotation, take all those minutes, and get all those numbers. So um, the Raptors are so deep at the wing that <laughs> I'm not really concerned. Um, I, I was just thinking about this um, the other day. I mean, realistically, you see, you, you look at the schedule, and you know, we were like, you look at the Lakers game coming off that win in Portland. It's like, oh, you know, the LeBron factor, may, and you know Kawhi not playing this could be tricky mm-hmm. uh, then you go into the second night of a back to back and they come out smoking in both those games um, I don't know if there's any game that the Raptors are going to go into that they're not the favorite to win outside of uh, when they play the Warriors yeah and even at home or against the Warriors who knows Boston. yeah like in Boston in Milwaukee I mean that's about it yeah they're, they're extremely good. Uh, obviously, it's not going to carry on like this, I wouldn't think. Like, I don't think they're going to dominate teams on the second night of back-to-backs all the time. <laughs> but right. they're 3-0 in that fun so far. Well, I, should, I should mention Denver. Yeah, Denver. Denver's really good, man. They're super fun. Shouts to Jamal Murray. Really nothing better than to have the Raptors beat the Jazz in a game that they should have lost just based on the schedule factors. And then to look up yep. and see Jamal Murray has 48 on the Celtics' heads and is making the Celtics into little crybabies after the game. By taking a shot with a shot clock off. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. Um, 
always, always, always take shots and do wild shit with the shot clock off. It's my favorite thing in the world. OG Ananobi really made Mike Budenholzer mad over that, and I will never stop enjoying that. Unless you're a garbage person like Lance Stevenson, who has no leeway to do anything, uh, you're, you're, you're totally free to do that in my book. So shouts to Jamal Murray for doing us proud, I suppose. Yep. Um, any last parting shots in this game before we wrap this thing up? On the game, no, not really. I mean, uh, just going to say you can find my usual stuff at Raptors Republic, at um, Sportsnet, at The Athletic. Um, should have something coming up for Vice soon. And besides that, follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Right on, man. Uh, you can always find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff to Lockdown Raptors. It's very, very nice when you leave a rating or review. We're over 150 ratings right now. We're racking them up. Please join the party. It's very, very nice, and uh, it's being reflected in the rankings. So thank you for doing that. Uh, if you want to listen to a podcast that I did with John Godis about Morris Peterson's Miracle Three-Pointer, you can listen to uh, Primo's Past on Ross, the premium Patreon-only podcast that I do. Go to Sean, Do- Sean Woodley Raptor. Patreon.com slash Sean Woodley Raptors. I always get that damn URL wrong. Patreon.com slash Sean Woodley Raptors to get that podcast. $5 subscribers get access to all of the premium podcasts. And uh, $7 subscribers get access to that plus a special project, which I have not figured out what I'm going to do yet. But there is going to be a special project of some sort every month. And uh, if you like the work that I do and you want to chip in a couple bucks, feel free to uh, go over there. I'd very much appreciate that. Uh, the support is super duper appreciated always. Also, I'm going to be hosting a live podcast uh, in Hamilton, November 21st at Odds Bar. It's 164 James Street South. And if you are in Toronto and listen to this podcast, not from Hamilton, I know a lot of our listeners are in Toronto and you want to come, it's a pretty relatively easy place to get to in Hamilton. It's like a five-step walk from the Go Bus Terminal downtown Hamilton. You just get off the bus, walk over to the bar, you know, have a podcast, watch the game, and then you can get on the bus, go back home. It's an express bus. It's very fast. So this should be available to everyone who wants to come out. It's free. November 21st, uh, the Raptors play the Hawks at like 7.40 or whatever, so I'm going to record a podcast between 7 and 7.40. Maybe we'll have a guest. I'm not sure just yet, but stay tuned for that as well. Ozbar, 164 James Street South. Come on out. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'd love to see you out there. And uh, also, my weekly basketball show on TSN 1150 in Hamilton. It's being pushed from Tuesday to Wednesday this week because of uh, scheduling conflict with the Maple Leafs playing on our station, but uh, it'll be worth the wait because Wednesday night when we put the show on, Kian Nurse is going to guess. She's playing in Australia right now. I think she won WNBL Player of the Month in Australia for the last, for October, so we're going to have her on the podcast, or not on the podcast, on the radio show on Wednesday to chat all about that, so if you're interested in hearing what Kian Nurse has to say about her dominance of Australia, tune in for that on TSN 1150 at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night and it will be available online as well. Alright, I'm out of breath from all the shilling I'm doing, so I'm going to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Vivek, we'll talk to you soon, man. And uh, yep. we will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.